Hi everyone, welcome to our next session of the podcast. So we last week talked about how to choose a good mobile health app and this week we're going to be talking about the future of mobile health, which is fitting seeing as that's the title of our podcast. So I'm joined today by Zane. Zane, say hi. Hi. And Matt. Matt, say hi. Hi. Um, and we are really excited to um, present our findings on the future of mobile health. And then finally we'll end off with... Um, my app of the week so Zane do you want to start us off on mobile health apps well what do you mean by stuff because as I, in I you have to start again mate because I, I thought you're gonna do the intro bro oh you want me to do the whole intro yeah yeah oh, okay fine fine okay I'll start off again hi everyone and welcome to our next session of the podcast so um we're going to be talking today about the future of mobile health apps um last week we spoke about um, how to choose a good mobile health app and this week we are talking about the future which is fitting as that's our title of the entire podcast um, and then we'll be moving on to my favorite which is the app of the week this week we've been trying a sleep hygiene app so we're joined today by Zane Zane say hi Yo. and Matt Matt say hi hi um, okay so um, mobile health is a really fast growing area a decade ago there was basically not, not a lot of people had a smartphone um, but now there's over 318,000 health apps available in the app store literally everyone has a smartphone with 84% um, of the UK population having a smartphone um, and we've seen but by 2030 mobile health will become embedded in standard treatment protocols which is really exciting because mobile health apps are the future um, so Matt I think has some um, ideas about how mobile health is user-centric yeah, so um, I, we're we're all going to um, run you through a few things about uh, where mobile health is going in the future. Um, I think one of the big things that's happening in this field is the idea of personalization and um, everything becoming a more a lot more user centric. So, um, as medical students, you're always told you know the patient is at the heart of everything you do, and we're not trying to medicalize people, but uh, the user is also going to be at the heart of everything that happens in our health, in our health um, especially in terms of like things like preventative care. So one of the major reasons right now why people don't use mHealth as much, um, Habiba talked about the 316,000 mHealth apps, but uh, only a fraction of those really ever, you know, get that star rating where everybody starts using them. And the reason for that is because the majority of these apps don't actually meet the functionality that the patient wants. They don't meet those specific needs that they have and they don't uh, align with their experiences and their expectations. So what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot more, um, a lot more development in this, area, in this area to allow users to customize their health apps to their needs and to personalize it a bit more. Um, I think the other thing that's going to definitely come into the development of these apps is the, the increased use of behavioral science. So we're already seeing that um, with gamification and, um, you, we, we talked about that in last week's uh, podcast on uh, Zombie Run, where Habiba took us through uh, that fantastic app over there. And there are going to be a few more apps that develop like that with those just those small nudges to motivate users and to try and engage them in behavioral change and the importance of it. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's really what's happening with the app development side of things. But Yeah, uh, I definitely... Oh, sorry, go on. No, go for it. Go. Uh, yeah, I definitely saw that with Zombies Run um, that I... Kind of, it kind of was tailored to me and it, it did make the app more sticky and that's why I kept returning to it. Um, but yeah, I also think um, mobile health technologies, there will be a, hope, 
hopefully in the future better integration with them in terms of the healthcare system within the NHS. Currently clinical devices, they're not really designed to communicate with the NHS or the hospital um, that they're, they're in, but with mobile health apps, more investment is being done and being made to integrate them into a healthcare system. So hopefully that kind of allows um, clinicians to tap into a huge ecosystem of data so when you go to your GP if you have a mobile health app that's been tracking all your blood pressure um, monitoring for the last two months that's so much better than the GP just doing one random um, blood pressure monitoring um, through blood pressure recording in the um, in the practice especially with people kind of getting more stressed when they're in the, in the um, seeing their doctor so I mean it's more kind of the GP can make better clinical decisions when they have this data that um, is offered on mobile health apps, which is really, really exciting because it makes things much more slicker and much more accurate as well. Um, yeah. Just to kind of... Zane? No, no that, you, made, you made a few good points. But with, with this big data and kind of all the data that these apps collect, um, you can understand um, potentially why users or patients, they may they may not fully trust, um, you know, these apps. And that's one of the greatest barriers to the, I think, to the widespread adoption. Um, and that's the lack of trust. And so the lack of trust is both from the patient side and users who may, be, who may feel uncomfortable with how they're kind of, or, as you said, Abibi, um, you know, all the blood pressure readings mm -hmm. that a data thing collects, that the yeah. app collects. Patients may not be comfortable with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and clinicians are like, um, so that's all about the security and reliability of these mobile apps. And there needs to be clear governance um, within health systems. And yeah, so I think that driven by the consumer demands and, um, you know, mHealth uh, coming into like appearing as a kind of concept as NHS moves to more preventative medicine, mHealth security will, will have to improve. Um, yeah, I think you've like absolutely hit the nail on the head. Like patients aren't, they're not happy with their data being stored, especially health information. It's so sensitive. But I also think it's not just patients. The problem lies within healthcare professionals being quite resistant as well. Um, they kind of, everyone's kind of resistant when it comes to changes of workflows, um, the change of operation. People are currently the workflows are quite standardized and you know going to a completely new way of working is difficult and I think COVID's definitely made that go faster um but I think with tomorrow's physicians and like this education about mobile health and um, currently going on in things like this podcast and we ran a conference as well last week I think that um their future clinicians are much more likely to feel comfortable with mobile health and comfortable with technology and incorporating that um but there is quite questions that lie between you know if you have a patient let's say going on with that blood pressure recording um kind of analogy if you have a patient that has one off reading um on a tuesday afternoon and that's sent to their doctor what should the doctor act like should they do something because they've got this overwhelming amount of data but should they um kind of incorporate that and make an action because technically they should but you know, when there's a huge amount of data, it's hard and it would probably increase workload for doctors if they have to do that for every abnormal reading, which makes things a lot tougher. Um, yeah, so I think, um, but I do think COVID's definitely kind of pushed healthcare workers into um, working more digitally. Um, and I think Matt's going to be talking more about COVID now. Uh, yeah, so um, actually one of the really exciting developments that is going to be affecting a lot of us um, from the 17th of May 
uh, is the COVID passport. Uh, yeah, the 17th of May is a great day because uh, we stop with uh, you know some of the real big restrictions on our lives. But it's not as simple as saying, you know, COVID doesn't exist. It's going to be here. It's going to be here for a few, for a while. Let's just say for a while without depressing any of our listeners. Um, but the reality is that COVID is going to be here. And that's why the COVID passport has been designed, right? So it's an NHS app, which will become a COVID passport app to tell, uh, to tell people basically whether you have both doses of the vaccine um, and there are some important things that I think people don't really know about it a lot because obviously this is a very new thing. This is something that's just come out and, um, you know, it's not something that everybody's really aware of. Um, so the first thing to know about it is that while the app can record your vaccinations, it's not automatic. So, um, you know, you still have to, you, you still, you can try to find a record of your COVID jab, but you need to go, um, to your GP for that for that detailed health uh, health record, um, and the reality is that uh, the app is not just going to automatically say, "Oh, you know, you have been vaccinated." There has to, there has to be some input from the user. Really, um, the next thing is that you know, um, if the NHS app does become a COVID vac- uh, become a vaccine passport, which it will, um, the, <laughs> the reality is because of the fact that you know you've got to go to your GP and get that health record that says that you've been vaccinated. Millions of people are going to end up going to their GP, bombarding them with these requests. Um, and that is, that is probably a difficulty that the NHS sort of has to think about um, going forward. Um, along with that is the idea that, you know, um, it might not be fair really just to have like this back, this, this, this passport that says that you're vaccinated because um, now Zayn, Habib and myself are very lucky because we've, we've received both doses of the vaccine um, because we work in a medical setting, but uh, that's very rare for people of our age. And so for young people to still be able to have those experiences, still be able to go out, still be able to have fun, um, the vaccine, the, the COVID passport is going to involve like other things other than the vaccination, such as whether you've taken a recent test, um, whether, you know, uh, whether I think I'm not entirely sure, but I think also whether you've had COVID comes into it and whether you've recovered from it, um, that comes into the vaccine as well into the passport sorry um and then um finally there's the there's the real problem of you know making the nhs app something that's easy to use and that's trusted around the world um i think you know um on the 17th we're going to see like thousands of people like just desert the country because they're finally able to get out and go to places um and that's great in some in some and in, in like uh in, in some way uh, but, you know, you, that, that passport has to be trusted by everybody around the world. And actually, we're seeing that, you know, in foreign governments, there is still being like other things that are emerging, such as the um, su- such as the COVID um, passport, um, such as the digital green certificate, which is being done by the EU to do similar um, to, to do similar things to our COVID um, vaccine passport. Um, and you know, there needs to be a level of integration throughout the world about, about all these problems. Um, and then the final thing that I think is really important for our listeners to know is that um, the, the, uh, the term COVID passport or COVID health certificate um, is sort of, is sort of um, misleading because actually what it's really, it's not like a passport. It's not just something that you can take all around the world. Um, it's just simply proof that the person has been vaccinated or that the person is tested for COVID, or um, the information about the person having COVID and then recovering. Um, 
And yeah, so it's, it's really important that, you know, the COVID passport is designed in such a way that it's easy to use and that it protects our users' per privacy uh, whilst allowing them to, you know, try to get back to normal. Um, and I think it is a really great instance of where mobile health has come to come to our aid and it's like you know allowed us to return to this sort of new normal that we're trying to trying to adopt in our society right now um so yeah th I, I think it's a really interesting interesting thing there um yeah 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 i i think that's amazing and also um the eu they've got that digital green certificate um which yeah. is online but also it's on paper as well and it will be interesting to see if this kind of new vaccination um like record being online would be the new way because um currently a lot of people have their paper records but you know they get lost um and trying to find your child immunizations from years and years ago i mean it's just not feasible anymore um to keep these pieces of paper like around your house and you know when you move and they get lost so it's really important i think that mobile health has kind of come to sort of have like it's the solution really to this um so I think we'll move on now to the app of the day. So this last week, I've been trialing a sleep hygiene app and a mindfulness app. Um, so why have I done both? So technically you're getting two apps of the week this week. Um, well, we kind of went back to last week. I said, you need to really understand what your expectations are when you're downloading an app. And I didn't, because I didn't really know what sleep hygiene was. I didn't know what mindfulness was. So I downloaded a few apps and decided from there which one I was going to go with. Um, so I think when downloading an app, you need to kind of have some sort of inkling on, on what you really want or if you don't that's fine i didn't and you can just download a few apps and decide from that so i downloaded three apps to begin with i downloaded headspace calm and sleep monitor which is an app on android i don't know if it's on ios but um i kind of went on all of them and tried to see which ones i liked i ended up deleting headspace straight away because it asked me to log in and i just didn't really want to um and I, we found that as a, a huge barrier for people to kind of use apps people don't really enjoy logging in especially when it links things up to social media they just feel a bit kind of um exposed and like fit like have fear they have fear of it, like their private information getting exposed so um i d deleted headspace straight away so i had calm and sleep monitors those are the two i used um so with the sleep monitor um so over the last month um muslims around the world have been fasting because it's ramadan and when you fast your sleep schedule gets kind of screwed up a little bit um which is um was interesting because i was using sleep hygiene app at the time and then we also had exams so the thing i liked about sleep monitor is that it sent me notifications to keep reminding me to use it but because i was taking so many naps during the day um i kept i did keep forgetting to use it so i don't think there was enough reminders on the sleep monitor app um also they had like rain sounds and stuff that you could use and because um i like i'm not going to play rain sounds out loud i've got a parent next door so i don't want to disturb them um i had to use headphones to listen to them to try and fall asleep and trying to sleep with headphones is really uncomfortable so that didn't really work for me but um i thought that was a really interesting feature that i had on the app and maybe it would work for some others but it didn't really work for me um another interesting thing that i saw about the sleep app which was um kind of weird was that it came up with a notification it said um you can turn off your Wi-Fi or data and put your phone on airplane mode if you're worried about radiation um, damaging your brain. And I, was, I wasn't worried about radiation damaging my brain when I downloaded this app. But as soon as I saw that notification, I thought, 
well now I am worried about radiation so I don't understand why they put that I mean I think maybe that could have been an optional thing but it was a bit weird um, and then after that I kind of I started putting my phone at the towards the end of my bed because I was like that, that kind of fear kind of kept coming into my mind after that so um, yeah I thought that was a bit strange um, when I first started using the sleep monitor app I did keep like when I woke up in the night just to roll over I did actually just get up and keep checking it to see if it was still recording which was a bit weird um I was probably a bit too excited to use this new app um for this podcast but yeah um a thing that I also really liked about the sleep monitor app was that it has um kind of icons that you can or like features that you can select for your sleep so for example it says have you had caffeine today are you in pain um have you had um a stressful day um have you eaten late which often i had i had eaten straight after um i uh, straight before i slept so i kind of picked that one all the time but um it was interesting to see how those things sort of affected your sleep um uh the only thing the thing that was funny was one night i um i was i was kind of i think i threw my phone on the floor by, by accident i kicked it on the floor by mistake and I woke up the next day and looked at the sleep monitor app and it said deep sleep for the entire night because it was on the floor and I wasn't moving. So I thought that was really funny. But um, yeah, I wasn't in deep sleep the entire night. Um, but that was a barrier to the app. Um, so that was the sleep monitor app. Would I recommend it? Um, I personally don't have sleep problems, so probably not. But um, yeah, because I, I haven't I've stopped using it now and I, I don't think I'd go back to it just because it was kind of annoying to keep um, re remembering to use it and also um yeah I, d I don't think I probably would use it the only thing that was um interesting was that it recorded when I kind of like rolled over or made any kind of sounds in my sleep I didn't sleep talk but some people do so yeah. if you have OSA and you snore and you want to record that then that's probably quite useful to do um and maybe talk to your GP about if, if that's a problem that you have but I sleep quite well generally so I probably wouldn't use it again but if someone did have sleep problems I think it's a good app to use um the second app I used was Calm. Um, I personally don't really see um, mindfulness as being kind of super helpful. Um, some people do, so I'm not going to try and bash mindfulness, but I, I didn't really find it that useful. Um, the things I did like about it was that you had customizable backgrounds. So um, I talked about this last week in that when I could customize the background, I felt that the app became more tailored to me and it became like my app rather than just a generic app, which was kind of, which I found quite exciting. Um, but the only thing I didn't like about Calm was that it was, they have a freemium model, which means that you get some free stuff with the app, but a lot of the mindfulness sessions you have to pay for. And I felt quite annoyed when I was doing a mindfulness session and then the second or third episode of the session I had to pay for because I would kind of get into it and then it would stop. Um, and in terms of the mindfulness sessions um, in particular, a lot of them would start by saying, oh, so I did a one for social like anxiety because I had a public speaking thing the next day and I thought this might be useful. Um, and it said, it started off by saying, oh, you probably are really scared that everyone's listening to you and everyone's um, watching you. And I was thinking, well, I wasn't scared, but now I am. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know why it started off with so ne such negative stuff. So I don't know maybe if that was just the mindfulness session in particular, or if that's just um, kind of just a general thing. But I think maybe being more positive would have been fun. Um, but that's the thing, like the app didn't recognize I respond better to positive motivational factors which weren't included so um, I think that would be more exciting if it, if it could customize to that 
Um, and the last thing that I thought that was a bit weird was because I associate my phone so much with social media and kind of um, just being kind of busy and you know bustling um, that when I when it came to mindfulness and trying to like cool down and switch off it was kind of like there was this paradox that I was using my phone for doing that because my, I always associate my phone with being social and being active and kind of cooling down I kind of associate that with not being away or kind of yeah being away from my phone so I found that quite strange but I think if you can get over that and you like mindfulness downloading calm or downloading any sort of um mindfulness app would be a good idea um but personally like that's just not for me but yeah I think it, that's just personal preference really and I think that comes to the end of our podcast um so Matt and Zane do you have anything to say you want to say bye <laughs> Oh, I think that was really interesting. Um, I think it's worth just telling them who we've got on the podcast next time. Oh, uh, yeah, so we're, yeah, you can go ahead. No, no, we're, um, we're very lucky to be joined by a WHO digital health consultant. Um, her name's Mariam. Uh, Zane won't be there because it's early in the morning and he'll be asleep. But um, it will be very interesting and Habiba and I and a few others will be interviewing this guy. Isn't that right, Zane? I'll be testing out my sleeping at me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Right. Thank you right. for listening. And uh, yeah, see you next week. Bye. See ya.